Well, I am so thrilled to be joined by our former pastor here at Bethel Worship Center. Uh, that's been, you retired, do you 2010. remember? 2010. So it's been almost 12 years since you retired. So as far as like people in the house who come to Bethel Worship Center, there may be some new people that weren't even here when you were here. Many. So, uh, so this pastor Don was our lead pastor for 25 years, I believe it was, but I am also blessed to call him my uncle. So he is not just pastor Don to me, he's uncle Don to me. And the beauty that I'm also blessed with is that you come from a line of close people with close relationship with God. Loved God, followed God. My granddad, your dad, um, you had brothers, siblings, you've got cousins and so many others that were that just on fire for God that are ministers as well. How many ministers did we have in our family? Oh, dear Lance. I came and began to count. Uh, it began with my dad and then me and two of my brothers and then numerous nephews and now a great-nephew and a great-great-nephew mm-hmm. has begun to... And you're preach. using that literal, like great, not describing me as right. a great-nephew. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I know, like, from my mom talking about prayer and seeing prayer in her family and in, in the family amongst the siblings and her dad and mom, your dad and mom, can you just talk a little bit about how important prayer was within the family sure. and and what you saw within your siblings and parents and how did that influence you in your prayer life? Well, let me first begin to this interview by prefacing it with a statement that I cannot pray like your wife. If I were to lie back in a recliner, I would be asleep <laughs> in no time. So I do have a chair I sit in, but it is a recliner, but I don't recline when I pray. <laughs> if you missed that, I shared in a message that Jenny prays in a recliner, and I don't ever know if she's praying or sleeping. I just don't bother her when I see her postured like this. So. <laughs> but um, I do remember my dad praying, mm. and I remember as a child that we were required to kneel mm. around the breakfast table. Wow. And uh, I always said he prayed until the grits got cold. <laughs> and uh, because he didn't just bless the food, he prayed around the globe. I don't remember my mother much because my mother died when I was only eight. Uh, but I do know from conversations with family members that mother prayed a lot. As a matter of fact, I spoke with Frances. Uh, my oldest living sister a few days ago, and she said that mother would go to the barn to pray. Okay. And uh, I found that quite interesting since she had 12 children by the time she was 39 that she would even find time to pray. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I have great members of praying brothers and sisters The thing that began my prayer life was when I was 20, my brother James, who was pastoring in Mullins, I went to live with them, and he invited me into his prayer time. And that began my prayer journey. 
it was the first time that I had ever really heard someone intercede and pray with the fervency and passion with which he prayed. And the first time I had witnessed anyone praying in the spirit like he did. But when I came to Camden, we had several different uh, times of prayer. Uh, we started praying in the mornings when I first came. And my sister Margaret, my oldest sister, she was always a part of that prayer time. And then we started praying in the evening with several area churches. And Frances and Alice, two of my sisters, would always come to those prayer times. So I and you are blessed with a heritage of praying siblings and and your praying aunts and uncles. Yeah, there's no doubt. So how talk to me about how what your prayer life looks like now and in in the time that you spend in prayer. Because oh, I know I know you're a praying I joke that I don't I don't really call him in the mornings because I don't know how long he's going to be praying. <laughs> and I might send a text when you when you're free just give me a call but talk talk about your prayer life what that looks like now. Well, I wish I could sit here this morning and say that it has always been consistent throughout the years, but it hasn't. And probably a lot of people would say that same thing. And I'm sure a lot of pastors would say that Mm -hmm. same thing because we busy ourselves with uh, the work that's involved in ministry and in church work and all that entails. And uh, I don't want anything that I say today to sound boastful or to come from a place of pride because I have sincerely prayed and sought the Lord throughout my prayer life that he would deliver me from any arrogance or pride, especially when it comes to my prayer life because I really think it is a very sacred thing. There's no doubt. But... I want to differentiate between my prayer life and the prayer of everyday church folks. Okay. Because especially this season of my life, I have a lot of time Mm -hmm. to pray. Right. And I have a call to intercede. Real quick, if I'm not messing you up by interrupting. By no means. The interceding. Because you mentioned that earlier with Uncle James that he, you learned that from him. Talk a, little, talk a little bit about intercession, what it means to intercede for someone. Well, Ezekiel 22.30, the prophet said that God spoke to him and said, I look for a man to build up a wall and stand in the gap mm-hmm. that I might not destroy the nation. Right. But I found no one. Mm-hmm. And I heard that call early in my life, in my ministry. And I've tried to do that through the years. And as I said previously, I've not always been faithful to that call. But to intercede is so different from ordinary prayer. Mm -hmm. Because you lean so heavily on the Holy Spirit's direction to direct your prayer. And I have certain things now that I intercede for. Mm -hmm. And I do that on a daily basis. And my time with the Lord begins about 7.30 in the morning. And it usually ends 
about 11.30 or noon. Wow. I uh, call it my tithe and offering <laughs> because so, I think we first. tithe our time yes. as well as our money to the Lord. And I think it's important that we do that. But I go above and beyond that. And I don't want to bring condemnation on any of God's people to make you think that you have to do that. Because I know that people are caught up with family, with work, with activities, with their children. And they don't have that kind of time. So I am privileged and blessed. I began that early on in my life. Since you asked me to do this, I've looked back through the years. And I remember when we pastored in Dover, Delaware, that I prayed in the evenings. I didn't like getting up early in the mornings. I was a young man. (laughs) And Darlene and I would sleep in. We were both substitute teachers. And many times we wouldn't answer the phone because we didn't want to go (laughs) and teach in public schools. But I would pray in the evening. And I had neighbors who were Catholic. And they would sit outside in the summer. And they would sit outside the window. We had a basement. I prayed in the basement. And uh, I remember one time in the evening standing out there talking to them, and I started to go in. And one of them said to me, you're going in to pray now. So I realized that they were hearing me pray. And I often prayed in the Spirit. But I always have been a person who wept Mm -hmm. a lot. And that has come to my mind through this time of thinking about this interview with you. And I remember David talking about those that go forth with weeping, bearing precious seed, would without a doubt come again rejoicing, bringing the harvest of that seed with them, and that they who sow in tears will reap in joy. And I know that prayer is the sowing, and that the tears are the watering, And that bringing back the seed will be the harvest. So when I pray over this church, over the pastors, over this county, and over this nation, I do what Jesus did. My neighbors heard me because I pray loud. But I realized that Hebrews 5, 7 said that Jesus did that. That he prayed with loud cries an intense supplication to the Father that if it was His will, that He would remove that cup of suffering from Him. So I felt really good (laughs) about my loud crying and my tears during that time. But intercession is intense. It involves the intercession of the Spirit because we don't know the mind of Christ. Right. But the Spirit does. And Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. So I lean heavily on that. I probably spend at least half of my time interceding in the Spirit. So I would encourage anyone who has not uh, received that gift to ask the Lord for it because it is essential in prayer. And I think is available to everyone who will believe and everyone who will ask. 
that God will give you that gift. It is a precious gift and so viable to intercession. And I count it a privilege to be able to intercede for the church at this time in my life. Well, we appreciate it. And I I know that when I first retired, I kind of let my prayer life go dormant for a long time. But the last seven years, I can remember the time when I stood in the hallway in my home and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I knew that God was saying enough is enough. You've spent enough time doing what you want to do. And I was reading a lot of fiction books during that time. And I was not praying or reading my word like I should. And I remember I left after standing in that hallway and hearing the Lord speak to my heart. And on Springdale Road, I remember the Holy Spirit invaded my car and invaded my heart. And I broke and I wept profusely before the Lord and I repented before the Lord. And the last seven years have been years of intense intercession in my life of praying over this county. I don't want this county to go without seeing a move of the Spirit. I want us to see the harvest of Kershaw County. I believe with all my heart that there is a tremendous harvest for Bethel in Kershaw County. And I believe that part of that harvest belongs to Bethel. And I'm praying and weeping over that daily. And I'm asking God to release that harvest. I don't know what's holding it back because I know that many people are praying like I am. I know that there are other intercessors in this county. I've talked to them. I know their hearts are yearning for that breakthrough. I believe the pastors of this church are yearning for that breakthrough and for the salvation of souls. And why it isn't happening yet, I don't know. But I will tell you this, Pastor. The first Sunday of the year, I believe it was, the praise team was singing that song, Wait on the Lord. And they've sung it many times. But that day, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart. And I knew that this was a time of waiting Mm. for the fulfillment of that word to come to pass. And so now I see myself as in a season, not of only interceding, but of waiting Mm. For God to bring the past the things that we're all praying for and believing him to fulfill. Amen. Well, would you would you agree with this statement? And I wanna I wanna ask a question that follows up with kind of your what you just expressed of what you went through from after you retired and God convicted you. But um and then and then that, but would you agree with this statement that not everyone is an intercessor, but everyone is called to pray. Absolutely. Yes. I think it's essential that we all pray. Right. And I think in some way most believers do. Mm-hmm. Um, they may pray in their car. Uh, they may pray at work while they're sitting in front of a computer or at their desk. Right. Um, Many people pray around the family table over a meal. But I do sense a need within the body of Christ for us to increase our time of prayer. Mm. Just begin somewhere. 
Right. Start. Yeah. You know, just say, God, where do you want me to begin? What do you want me to pray about? And listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Because the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I was to pray over the church, over my family, over the pastors, over this county, over this nation and its government. And I, I intercede exceedingly over this nation and its government and to pray over the nations of the earth. So that's why, you know, I spend so much time in prayer because that scope includes a lot. I know that everybody is not going to share that burden, but I believe that the body of Christ needs to ask the Lord, what do you want my heart to pray about? Is it my family? Is it the people around my neighborhood? Is it people in the church? Is it for healing for people? What is it that you want to burden my heart to pray for? And I would just encourage the body of believers at Bethel to just decide I'm going to begin some kind of prayer life. If it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, I'm going to set aside that time and I'm not going to let anything interfere with it. It could be in the mornings before you go to work. It could be when you come home in the evening. It could be before you go to bed at night. But just determine that you're going to set aside a time to be with the Lord and to spend time with Him and let nothing interrupt that. Yeah, that's good. And I, I do appreciate your 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 honesty, your candidness, your transparency, expressing about uh, after you retired and kind of where your your life went. Not that you were sinning; it's just you were enjoying doing what you didn't always get it to was do. Release from the burden, right? And it brought a sense of complacency. Yeah, and that that can happen. And and you know, as a minister, a lot of times my biggest struggle is separating, uh, studying, preparing, and my personal time with God, and and differentiating between the two. And sometimes that affects my family too, and, and how I interact with my family in in prayer and and um, devotional. Right. Because I don't want, you know, it's, you're the pastor, but I also need to be dead and I need to be husband, but I need to be spiritual leader. And so, so a lot of people don't understand the, the difference between separating that. And so I couldn't imagine, how many years did you, were you in ministry altogether? I know 25 here, but. I think uh, between 45 and 50 yeah, years, so I'm not sure exactly. 45 to 50 years in ministry, full time, pouring your heart out to people, carrying their burdens and now you don't. You've got time to read fiction, right? You've got time to do things you want to do, yeah. and so nothing wrong. But the fact that you speak so transparent, so transparently that in doing that you became complacent, right. I think that that honesty I think will speak to a lot of people. So I appreciate that. And but you also mentioned, you know, you were you're wondering why God hadn't you haven't seen the release of the harvest. There's a lot of people that have probably been praying over many things in their life. Yes. What what would you, I know you spoke a little bit, but what would you encourage to someone who is struggling to see God answer, to know if God is answering, 
to even feel like God is hearing and listening to them, what, what would you say to, to encourage someone that might be in a place like that? Well, it was interesting. Uh, Darlene told me this morning that she had seen on Facebook where my great niece Karen Rogers had posted something about a word that I gave over she and her husband Tim. I think she said back in 2007 when I was in Texas speaking. And I had mentioned the word suddenly several (laughs) times in that word. Uh, I mentioned that they would bring people into the kingdom who did not look like the people that were there in that church and that it would be a suddenly. And I remember that Peter said, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And God's suddenlies are not in our timing. Right. So it really is a matter of just hanging in there, Mm. staying faithful and continue to keep it before the Lord. I've even said to the Lord, Lord, please forgive me for my redundancy and my continuous asking for the same thing daily, daily, daily. I bring before you the same petitions. But he said, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on believing. All of those are in the progressive tense in the Mm -hmm. Greek. So I have to remind myself that I'm not boring the Lord. By continually asking, he's expecting me to do that. And we need to understand that God knows what we're going to pray about before we ever utter anything out of our mouth. So I would just encourage you today that if there are things that have not come to fruition yet, to do what I said earlier, just wait on the Lord. God's going to answer. Uh, We heard Pastor Javen and... Nadia Sunday referenced that scripture from Daniel mm-hmm. where Daniel's prayer was answered the time he prayed, yeah. but it took 21 days 21 to get the prayer days. through because Michael had to war with the, with the prince of the powers of Persia, yeah. the demonic spirits in the air. We don't know what we're warring against mm-hmm. at times to get our prayers through. So we need to continue the warfare and continue yeah. the battle until the answer comes. Right. And that's the only way. Just be faithful in prayer and what you're doing. Well, it's so much encouragement from what you've been saying. And I just, I wanted to ask this one more question and and maybe loaded. I don't know. But what what have you learned about God and what have you learned about yourself as, as you have spent time in prayer with him? One of the most important things I think I've learned is God's patience how patient he is with us and how willing he is to just wait on us until we come to wait on him. But I've also learned a great deal about his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. I've realized the heart of God is very tender towards us. And I think that the tender heart of God has really become a part of my heart. And I think that's why I am so broken over the needs that I pray regarding. I've learned that God is so faithful 
that even when the word says I am faithless, that he will remain faithful. And I'm grateful for the faithfulness of God. I'm grateful that his mercies are renewed every morning. I've learned that, that I awaken every morning to the new mercies of God. And I often think about the old hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with you, that you change not. Your compassions, they fail not. As you are now, you forever will be. That Hebrews reminds us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I think about revival, I've read great histories of revival. I've read the history of the First Great Awakening in New England, the Second Great Awakening that began in New York and spread to Cambridge, Kentucky, where thousands would come on horsebacks and in carts and would gather together. That it spread to Azusa Street, that our denomination was birthed out of the Azusa Street Awakening. I've read about the Welch Welch Revival and Evan Roberts and what he did there. And I've heard people say that what God is going to do in the 21st century in 2022 isn't going to look like what he did then. And I say, God, why not? You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need that same level of conviction. We need what drew people to Cane Ridge from all over the country, to come by the thousands to that little place in Kentucky to seek God and multiplied thousands were born again into the kingdom of God for the Azusa Street revival to last for years. For we have seen more to pray seven hours a day and seek God with such intensity and they would see the fire of God on top of the building and people would summon the fire department night after night because they thought the building was on fire. And the literal fire of the Holy Spirit was being seen. And I think, God, what will it take for this generation to awaken to the move of the Holy Spirit? What will it take us to hunger and thirst for those kinds of moves of God in our own lives. I know the battle that you face, the struggle of pastoring with a family, with the duties of pastoring, with the responsibility of seeking God for what he wants you to feed his people with, for being faithful to your wife and your children. That's a tremendous burden for any one of us to carry. But God will give you wisdom. Mm, There are many people praying for you that God will direct your steps and will order your path and praying for you to have the wisdom to know how to manage your time because time management is a gift and we need that gift in our lives. But you have a great staff as I did, to share that burden with you and to help you with that. And I'm very grateful that I have this time to pray for you on a daily basis. And I don't leave you out of my prayers. 
Well, we appreciate it. We do. Well, I thank you so much for your encouragement, and I know that you have poured a treasure load out in just this short amount of time, and I'm grateful for it, and I pray that it blesses those who, who watch this, listen to it so. today. One, one more quick question, because you mentioned this, and I know you're a reader. Yeah. You read a lot. Is there a book that you would recommend to someone in regards to encouraging their prayer life? Wow. I guess it would have to be Dutch Sheets' book on intercession. Yeah. I think that's the greatest prayer book that I've ever read in my life. And it's as current today as it was maybe 20 years ago when he wrote it. So if anyone is really interested in deepening their prayer life, I would recommend they look on Amazon or wherever they buy books for Dutch Sheets' book on intercession and prayer. I think that's a great one. I had the privilege of meeting him one time and having lunch with him at Emmanuel. Okay. And it was a beautiful experience. And he is a tremendous man of God. And I've heard him speak on numerous occasions because I've had the privilege, Pastor Javen, through the years to pray with various prayer groups uh, around the Carolinas and Georgia. We had a group called Mission Carolina that was I was a part of for several years. And we prayed throughout the Carolinas for revival and for a move of God. And we would go when Dutch would speak. Mm-hmm. And he's such a prophet yeah. and has such an insight in an intercession in prayer. So that would be the one book that I would recommend to anyone who's interested in deepening their prayer life. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Uncle Don. (laughs) Thank you, nephew.